Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. And we're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And we're live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So let me go ahead and introduce the crew, guys. If you don't want to wait for the, the video portion of our show, we have a retired FBI agent, Colin Schmidt. Yes, you might recognize him from Newsmax and some of these other national media outlets. And he's out in California, where I just got back from, actually. We'll talk about that in a second. Also, Corporal David D. Gresser from the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Thanks, David. Uh, he de- uh, nicknamed affectionately by his uh, followers as the De-Escalator. Uh, so uh, our sponsors, Motion DSP, AUFire.com, GallsGunner.com, Blue2Gold.com, our newest one, my Medicare.live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. Matter of fact, you know, Monster now owns Bang, and and, and we're we're – we're trying to get this dual sponsorship going with Monster and Bang, but I've got the uh, new, it's the tea lemonade. So this is great stuff. Original flavor. Love this stuff. So thanks to Bang and to Monster for the fuel. Also a shout out to Brian Burns for the free press at TampaFP.com for carrying our content. And Ray Dietrich, RedVoiceMedia.com. We're streaming the eight locations right now. Uh, we're trying YouTube out again. And, you know, three of those locations belong to Red Voice Media. Those three Facebook pages alone have about a million followers. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Uh, Colin, I just got back from California. You know, I was in Carmel. Then I went to Lake Tahoe on the California side. And, uh, man, I was finding finding Bang products everywhere. And as the people who don't know, Bang just got taken over, acquired by Monster. And they're in the process of trying to uh, redistribute Bang and get it back over here on this side of the country. But you can't find Bang anywhere in Florida, where I'm at, where David's at. But in California, oh, my gosh. I mean, all these new flavors, new can colors, and all this stuff, just everywhere I went. So uh, you're you're living the dream out there in California, Colin. Well, it should be because Monster's uh, located right there in Corona, California, which is about uh, 45 minutes from where I'm located right here. So I'm starting to see it more and more myself. Uh, I just didn't have an opportunity this morning to pick up my own Bang. I'm waiting for you to send me a case, by the way. Oh yeah, that's it's it, yeah. Check yeah, it's come along with it. There's a check in the mail coming your way too. So yeah, be be ready, be ready for that. Uh, hey guys, so look, we've got a really a, a kind of a cool main topic. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. We're going to be talking about that next. Um, look, going you know that's what happens when you go away for a week and uh, and you go in holiday mode. You come back and there's all this news, great topics and great videos to talk about. So our first one, the main topic, LawOfficer.com, a federal judge orders the Biden administration to halt cutting razor wire along the southern border. Uh, now, we've known this has been going on for a while. You know, Texas has been going in and putting razor wire up and doing their own thing to protect their citizens and their state and actually the rest of America. But the, uh, you know, the federal agents, you know, the National Guard and, and uh, you know, ICE people have been coming in and cutting it. And now we know that that was coming from the Biden administration and a judge has stepped in. So we're in Del Rio, Texas, in response to a lawsuit filed against the Biden administration by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's the hero in this story. A federal judge ordered officials on Monday to temporarily halt cutting razor wire and state officials installed along the Rio Grande River, a Rio Grande River, uh, to stop people from entering the country illegally. Wow. So U.S. Western, I don't know what took them so long, but U.S. Western District Judge Aliyah Moses issued the temporary restraining order against both the Department of Homeland Security and also uh, Customs and Border Protection. So both those agencies have been restricted, and it prohibits authorities from disassembling, degrading, tampering with the Texas barrier at the southern border with Mexico, according to the Daily Wire. So I know in this order, they kind of saw what 
the Biden administration is doing, because when they get an order to do one thing, even if it's like maybe, you know, not giving, uh, not not waiving like student loan debt, they'll come up with another way they do it. So they're trying to anticipate what they might do in order to get around it to skirt the system. It says that the judge ruled the temporary order would remain in effect pending the outcome of a November 7th hearing in Del Rio requested by A.G. Paxton. So that's where we're at. Um, Colin, you're the closest one to where this thing's going on. What do you think? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, it was a swing and a miss for the elitists and the establishment for Ken Paxton. They tried to remove him as the attorney general. And frankly, he came back swinging and crushed him. So now, guess what? He's coming back swinging and he's going to go after all this nonsense. And the other thing is, uh, keep in mind that uh, Hanlon's razor is probably alive and well. Uh, Joe Biden has surrounded himself with some people who simply just don't know what they're doing. And this uh, judge came out and just let common sense prevail. Look, if they want to put up razor wire on their border, which is the Texas border, fine, go ahead and put it up. They have a right to do that. And that's what she's saying. And for another entity to cut that razor wire down and keep in mind that razor wire is not only protecting our border, but it's protecting all the land that those Texas citizens own on that border that's being completely crushed by these immigrants and everybody and all the environmentalists and the tree huggers forget what kind of environmental damage that all these border hoppers are doing right now yeah they're getting ready to find out real quick could you imagine waking up and finding that your you know your truck your car's been stolen people getting carjacked just uh, i mean you're going into town and it's just like overrun with immigrants and people lining the sidewalks storefronts roadways because they have nowhere else to go i mean it, it's just really you know gotten out of hand and um you know, and we talked about on the show what happened in Israel is a little a little view of what's coming to America because you know in Israel, of course, they got by the military by going it coming in by land, sea, and air, right? And uh, and then of course, you know, we've already had our open borders for what about three years now, so it's not when, if it, if it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when, and we're going to start experiencing some of the same crap that they're that they're going through now, David. Yeah, all you can hope is that any any openings in the uh, razor wire are. Uh, on, right on the other side of it, there's a bus that loads them up and immediately takes them to uh, one of these sanctuary cities like D.C. or back to up to New York that are now all crying and screaming that they can't handle anymore. And yet you have the, the Biden administration still doing things like this on the border. Um, it's just it's mind boggling. It's disgusting. I mean, it's just it's just truly amazing the stupidity that we're witnessing uh, these days with some of the policies coming policies and procedures coming out of this administration especially when you've got like i said these these cities that claim to be again sanctuary she's oh no everybody can come and now they're even going wait no 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 we can't handle anymore so how tone deaf do you have to be at this point to not get it but i guess his the batteries in his hearing aids must be running out or something i'm not sure you know i've got not a lot of uh not a lot of liberal friends, but those I have who hated guns, didn't want to have households with guns. Now they're calling me saying, hey, we want to get a gun. What kind of gun should we get? Where do we go? And, uh, and you know, there's two different sides of this that I see, you know, by having these open borders. I mean, number one, you've got the people coming over. David just mentioned sanctuary cities. But whether it's sanctuary cities or not, these guys are being given, they're given stipends. They're given paychecks for doing nothing. And they're giving free room and board. We're putting them up in first-class hotels, and we're paying the foot in the bill for them. We're giving them cell phones, and we're giving them free health care. So the big four. And, you know, we, I mean, my health care alone, look, I, I, I'm retired. I have a wife and no kids. I pay over, over $2,000 a month in health care just because I want to do the responsible thing and have, and have health care. 
These guys are getting all this stuff for free. Blows my mind. Now, that's just the financial side of this. The other side of this is that the potential terrorists and stuff coming over. And, uh, you know, we've got, what, um, over a million gotaways. And, and we've been catching all these terrorists at the border. So it, it's really not. It's really, I swear, people that are on the fence on this or the liberals that don't get it, they'll be singing a different tune soon when it starts getting really, really bad. Colin? Well, it's it's very interesting just watching this from afar, uh, The how these people are being exposed. And actually, they're actually freaking out because they they wanted everybody else to suffer while they sit, sit in their their gated communities and go to their coffee shops and and run around with their lattes and they're all running with all their other rich friends and looking down their nose at the working people that are out there hustling every day to make a living. Now all of a sudden they have to look out their doorway and see what this 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 wave of human uh, misery come to their front step. And now all of a sudden there's not fun anymore. And then they're saying, wait a second, we thought we could always just keep this in Texas and make the Texas uh, people suffer, but now they have to suffer. So this is a perfect example of stupid prizes for stupid games. And frankly, I hopefully the majority of the American people wake up and we get some right thinkers and some critical thinkers in the White House the next in the next administration. Let's let's hope. All right, moving along. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, David. LawOfficer.com, Derek Chauvin's attorneys filed a petition asking the U.S. Supreme Court to review the case. Now, this is written by Liz Collin. And so, uh, you know, Liz wrote the book, They're Lying. Read this book. You know, she's married to, you know, our panelist, um, you know, uh, Bob from uh, Minneapolis PD and uh, Lieutenant Bob Kroll. And this book will get you angry because you find out all the stuff they've been trying to keep away from the average American citizen. And Derek Chauvin's new legal team has filed a petition asking the nation's highest court to hear the case. The official U.S. Supreme Court filing comes after the Minnesota Supreme Court declined to hear the case back in July. It's a 47-page petition that points to a heavily fortified Hennepin County courthouse during the Chauvin trial, violent threats, jury intimidation, and a local press that glorified George Floyd as reasons the country's top court should grant him a new trial. The jury found Chauvin uh, guilty of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter in April of 2021. So, wow, it's already been over three years, and that was for the death of George Floyd that happened back in May of 2020. He's currently serving more than a 22-year prison sentence at a federal prison in uh, Tucson, Arizona. The U.S. Supreme Court, by the way, only hears about 100 appeals out of the 7,000 cases that it's asked to hear every year. So um, I don't know if there's any speculation on what's going to happen or if if SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, is going to hear it or not. David? Yeah, that's the big hurdle. It's the it's how many they hear out of how many they're requested. I mean, 100 out of 7,000, you know, round numbers, of course, is is pretty tough. But I mean, I hope he gets it. I mean, the the stuff in that book and, and the, the special coming out is just horrific. I mean, you can't watch it without being absolutely horrified. Absolutely. Thanks, David. Guys, our first commercial break, stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, guys, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years with a robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. And a Motion DSP software, it's easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and for a suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. A spotlight is built specifically for redaction. It's designed to work with video from any camera source. And using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information. It saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame redaction. And forensic enhancement software 
That allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you'll learn more about all these products and all these capabilities by simply going to motiondsp.com. Again, that's motiondsp.com. So, hey, now it's time to talk about AU Fire. It stands for Accuracy Under Fire, and it's at aufire.com. So now agencies can prepare their LEOs for the mental challenges associated with being wounded on duty, forcing them to adapt, problem solve, refocus, and overcome to effectively neutralize the threat. AUFire.com has the only option to prepare or safely prepare LEOs for the instant intense, random distracting immobilization of a body part associated with a debilitating wound. AUFire.com. Go there. Learn about the product. Check out the very cool videos, aufire.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, talking about this last one, Colin Schmidt, retired FBI. The floor is yours. Yeah, just uh, a little uh, factoids for our listeners and viewers. Uh, there's 11 circuits uh, that the Supreme Court oversees. Uh, Minnesota is in the eighth circuit. Each circuit is o- is overseen by one Supreme Court justice. Some Supreme Court justice has a couple of circuits. The eighth circuit includes Minnesota. And guess what? Brett Kavanaugh is the associate justice over the eighth circuit. So a lot of times these, these uh, uh, appeals, uh, they leave it up to the judge to decide whether they're going to hear it or see it or not. And then they are, there's also the concept of the writ of mandamus or mandamus. I'm probably uh, trashing that. And there's one right now with Clarence Thomas in Georgia, an election one where they've given him the opportunity to rule on it individually, which is the writ of mandamus, and then potentially could go to the full Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So the point is, there is hope. Brett Kavanaugh is there. And obviously, we know how he was chewed up and spit out by the liberal media. And maybe he's going to say, wait, we need to take a look at this because the Sixth Amendment is at stake. Wow. I like the way uh, I like the way you think. And thanks for that additional information. I was not aware of that. So that's, uh, you know, and that's what the show's all about. People that are that are watching it. We put this together so that we can make everybody that's part of this, including ourselves, among the smartest people in the room uh, concerning what's going on with the news and the issues. And, yeah, we do have a, a law enforcement twist to this, but that really benefits everybody. And uh, and look, we uh, we will we don't always agree with each other. Uh, but, uh, most of the time we do, but there are times when we don't. So it's all, it's all, it's debate is healthy, especially in this country and help make us as, as great as we are. Um, so if there's nothing else, I've got our first story with a video component. So look for our radio and podcast listeners. We'll describe in great detail what's going on. So you guys don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Stay loyal to your radio stations, to your podcast outlets. And, and look, uh, we, you, we pretty much our, our live show is Monday through Friday, Eastern time, uh, 12 to one o'clock during the lunch hour. But then we take that live show, we reproduce it, and we embed the videos that we talk about. We embed pictures of the good guys and the bad guys, and we put those up the next day, which would be Tuesday through Saturday at 9 o'clock in the morning at Rumble and then some other social media outlets. So if you guys want to check out that version of the show, that might be a great option for you guys because it's like a one-stop shop. Uh, but this first story, it is at Rumble, and it's also on our favorite law enforcement video channel, which is called This Is Butter. So we have Atwater Police. They fatally shoot a stolen property suspect after a chase, and then he pointed a gun at officers. Stop, please! Corey, stop! 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 So, 
Um, you know, a man has died after he was shot by an Atwater police officer during a chase. This happened on Sunday night. The shooting happened around 7 o'clock p.m. at an apartment complex. So officers are chasing a vehicle that's believed to have been used in a stolen property case leading up to the shooting. So during the chase, the suspect, who's later identified as a 36-year-old named Corey Untie or Unti, U-N-T-I, he crashes his car into a parked vehicle. And what's he do like every other bad guy? He gets out and he's on foot, right, running away on foot. Officers give chase through an apartment complex. So at one point, Auntie pulls out a gun and he ends up pointing at an officer, according to the article. The officer then open fires on Auntie. He hits him twice and Auntie died from his injuries at the apartment complex. And they found the bad guy's gun at the scene. So that's the way it goes down. Uh, commentary, takers on this, guys. It's our first one. David. Yeah, I always like this sort of stuff. You know, we'll get to some other ones, but. Atwater, I believe, is in California. Uh, Colin will correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's in California, kind of out, out away from the coast. Um, you see a police agency involved in a chase. Of course, we're always glad when, when criminals are stupid. That, that always helps our cause. The criminal jumps over the fence. The cop runs through the open gate. The yeah, first right out of the gate. Right out of the start, it's like, uh, there you go. Beautiful. <laughs> but, it, but as the officer catches up to the guy, um, the, the bad guy goes to draw a weapon and turns toward the officer and actually points the gun at, at the, uh, at the officer. This is the, this is, these are those moments when you say, okay, training mindset, commitment, show themselves. <clears throat> the officer got, he, he continued to get off the X. He didn't stop moving as the guy was spinning with the gun. He saw it. You could hear in the officer's voice, that kind of the, uh, as, as he was starting to lock up, seeing this gun coming toward him, he, he didn't stop. He didn't get crazy feet. He didn't dive for cover. He didn't run in circles. He, he got he continued off the X, took two more steps as he was drawing, bringing his, his gun to bear and then firing a bunch at this bad guy until the bad guy went down. And in the video, it, it shows that it, as you watch, it looks like the bad guy throws the gun away as the officer is firing. The officer continues to fire until the bad guy goes down. So I don't want to hear it about, well, he threw the gun away. Why did he keep shooting? That, it's called the OODA loop. Once it gets started, it takes a couple seconds to process that this is happening. He's going down. The threat is over and I can stop shooting. And that's what happened. Again, thankfully, criminals are stupid. And when they recovered the gun, there were rounds in the, in the magazine, but there, were, there was not a round in the chamber. So again, um, thank God for stupid criminals. But cops doing good work that shows mindset and commitment and direction, perhaps training, preparation for, for the worst, all that sort of stuff going into this video. And, and you can see him do it. After the shooting, he doesn't, he, he doesn't move. He, he locks into his spot. He keeps covering the guy. He's standing out in the middle of a, of a, of a driveway. So he, does, he has no cover. He doesn't go running, looking for someplace to hide. He doesn't back up. He doesn't do any of that crazy crap that we see all the time, quite often coming out of California. He, he, he holds his ground. He stays in the pocket, as we say, kept the guy covered as his as his his backup is getting to him. And then they finish the job. They go, they try to give him medical attention, all that kind of stuff. But um, the one another interesting thing that you saw was the, the officer that's there first in, in a fairly calm voice is saying, just just don't move. He keeps saying, don't move. Lay down, don't move, don't move, don't move. He starts to get a little excited at the end as, as he's not getting compliance from the bad guy. Perhaps not a sh not sure where the ex exactly the gun is at this point. 
But what you're seeing there is the officer not understanding that the person in front of him is dying. He's leak, he's bleeding out right there on the spot. So he's becoming less and less able to understand and respond to commands. His brain shutting down, his body shutting down, everything's coming to a stop for him. And as the officer is trying to give him commands, he's not going to be able to to respond to them. Um, so it was it was interesting video. All those little pieces and parts going together to, to look at that whole picture that we'll get to compare to other videos, perhaps that aren't so good out of California. All right, they. Thanks, Dave. Hey, guys, time for our second commercial break. We got some good stuff coming up. Uh, stick with us. We're going to do a Gaulish commercial that I think David's going to help me out with. We will be right back. All right, certainly by now, with all the coverage we've done on this show, you guys are familiar with the new Gauls at Gauls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty boots and tactical gear. And as our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett, always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. So it's at Gauls.com slash Leo. Now, Corporal David's a big fan of Gauls. What's going on at Gauls, David? Yeah, the the uh, the item of the, of the week or the item of the day is is uh, Garmont boots. They got several of them on sale, 20% off with free shipping um, over $99 uh, orders. And, of course, always, guys, work on those tactical bags. Very important. Yeah, those go bags are fantastic. And boots. Who doesn't need a good pair of boots? I know David. I know, I know because we did those Deadly Force Nero training videos, David loves boots. So, guys, get to it before David takes up your size and your stock. So, goals.com slash Leo. Go to the day. Don't wait. Check it out. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So, how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656. Especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area, talk to James or Bobby, meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays, find plans that your doctors accept, and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, mymedicare.live. All right, guys, welcome back. Leo Roundtable, and we are still live from the Boss Dog Radio Network in Plant City, Florida. Uh, Colin Schmidt, you have some words of wisdom for us. Well, as a fat guy with a high school mustache, I just had to make a comment about fitness. Uh, I, uh, and that, that's one thing sometimes we get kind of talk, uh, certainly talk about the tactics, but the fitness is just so important with these, uh, uh, law enforcement officers when they're in these foot chases and their ability to think clearly goes down astronomically, the, the more tired they get. And frankly, I see that my, my sons play soccer first half to the second half when they're tired, their decision-making goes way down and their inability to make that pass. Well, in law enforcement, it's the same thing. They're, if you're not fit when you're in that foot chase and then you get to the point where it's a, a go or no-go situation and you're tired and you're thinking about yourself and your fitness and being able to breathe versus being able to make the right decision, I can't stress enough how important fitness is, not necessarily bodybuilding and, and pushing weights and all that, being able to, to control your breathing when you're in that situation where it becomes a shoot and no-shoot situation. Yeah, that's that's very important. That's 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 pretty good, Colin. Pretty good. Um, yeah, fit absolutely right. Um, and my, of course, in my opinion, cardio is the most important thing. But you should have some weight training. But don't wait till you get in police work to get in shape. You know, I was involved in the training aspect of physical fitness. I was the uh, lead fitness trainer for TPD, and and yeah, a lot of the guys come and they think that they're going to start doing have have. It's, it's really a lifestyle change. So if you're not already involved in fitness and you want to try out to be the police, that's why we have the physical fitness test at the beginning, you know, to see whether you, you're good enough to even get into the academy or whatever. But, and that's all, you know, the, the, even the, even the, 
the threshold for that is just way too low. They should have really raised the requirements for that. Uh, but yeah, if you if you wait, it's just not for you. You know, you should already be in shape, and that should already be your daily routine uh, when you're getting involved in law enforcement. Or else, in my opinion, you're going to be a liability to yourself and other people that you're working with. Uh, Colin Cronus Investigations uh, at CronusInb.com. Can you tell us a little bit about how people can find you and learn more about you, what you do? Yeah, so a private investigation expert witness in forensic accounting. I specialize in fraud investigations. So uh, anybody throughout the country can uh, uh, get my services because we can do it all online, especially embezzlements. That's something that I'm specializing in lately. And uh, Cronus I-N-V-C-H-R-O-N-O-S-I-N-V.com. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. So uh, let's see what we've, uh, we've got. We've got, um, got another story here at Rumble. We're still on our favorite law enforcement video channel. This is Butter. Um, so we've got LASD, uh, Los Angeles Sheriff's Department deputies shoot through the windshield at an armed suspect who pulled out a gun during a foot chase. Wow. So... A man was taken to the hospital with a gunshot wound during a foot pursuit with Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department deputies in East L.A. This happened on Monday afternoon. So the authorities said that they get a call. to the area about 1:15 in the afternoon it's the middle of the afternoon after receiving reports of a guy with a gun so deputies determined that there was an armed robbery and at that location and that upon locating the suspect a short distance away he ran from them produced a gun at some point during the chase and it was then that the shooting occurred around 2.30 in the afternoon. He was hit by gunfire from one of the deputies. The suspect, who remains unidentified, was taken to a nearby hospital. He's in stable condition. No deputies were injured. Now, it says that they used SkyCal, which is, I guess, their air unit, over the scene. And it looked like one of the front windshields of a LASD cruiser could be seen with multiple bullet holes in it. Of course, we know from the video what really happened. Um, a gun is still inside of its holster. could be seen on the sidewalk. And though unconfirmed, investigators say the suspect never opened fire, meaning that one of the deputies must have fired shots from inside the vehicle through the windshield. And my caption here is, uh, duh, because, you know, we saw what happened. And my notes, it said, um, shots fired through the cruiser windshield at 357 is the timestamp. And then they do a zoomed in version that starts at 401, uh, you know, and a body cam version at 451. So it's just, uh, it's just a hellacious video. Uh, but, uh, David or Colin or whoever wants to start this one off. Go ahead, guys. I'm going to defer to David because he I can just see it on his face. <laughs> no, no. I, well, listen, this is one of those scenarios where you the. It's one of those. Um, all's well that ends well practice of police work versus best practices of police work. This is one of those videos and it's um, in very stark contrast to a lot of other things that we see where. You know, police officers, especially in, in California, are, are ultimately careful in, in how they approach things. They never go, you know, every, they have to have a supervisor's approval to do pretty much anything over there anymore, it seems. And here you have a group of officers and the lead officer in his vehicle alone um, find this guy who has been reported to them 
to have a firearm. So the report is, there's a guy, he has a gun, they go to the original scene, they determine at the scene that an armed robbery has taken place. So he produced the firearm and robbed someone, robbed a store, and then fled. They find him. And the, the, the surveillance video from a nearby store shows this officer in his car driving beside the bad guy. The bad guy's on the sidewalk, and the police car or the SUV is beside the bad guy on the street. With the passenger window rolled down, the driver of the police car is pointing his firearm as he's driving. Slow speed, you know, a mile or two an hour. The guy's jogging. He's pointing his gun out the passenger window of the car, screaming, show me your hands, get on the ground, you MFR, well, you know, so on and so forth. Show me your hands, show me your hands. And he, you, you look at this and, and you kind of go, wow, how is this going to go wrong? Let me count the ways. And, of course, the bad guy jogging down the street, and then the, then the police car... He turns into the bad guy at a driveway, at which point the bad guy realizes, oh, he has to dodge the car, reaches in and gets his gun out or begins to draw his gun out of his waistband on the right side, which is the opposite side of the police car. So the officer's vision is slightly blocked by the bad guy's car, but you can see the, the movement that what we all love to call the furtive movement of drawing a firearm, at which point the officer wastes no time whatsoever in mag dumping this guy through his front windshield puts the guy down and you're going wow but you know then you're calling technical foul you know uh what are you thinking how did you get yourself into this situation um type of a scenario whereas it's that oh all's well to send well it, it's fine everything turned out right at the end but best practices of police work go right out the window, right out the passenger window where he was pointing his firearm single-handedly, you know, with one, with his one single strong hand. I'm, I'm assuming it was a strong hand out the passenger window as he's screaming at the guy to show me your hand, show me your hands. I, wait, what? So I, I it's, it's kind of hard to describe. You just have to watch it and wonder what are they, what is your mindset in Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office, right? What what are you thinking about tactics? I mean, what do you be? How are you being trained? Are you being trained? What is it that's happening there? It's just a strange, strange thing. Yeah, Colin. It looked like the cop in the car was tracking him as he's firing shots. He didn't. He didn't fire shots just in one spot in the windshield. He went across the windshield as he's tracking the guy, just blowing holes across the across you know horizontally across the windshield. Wow. Now, just uh, for and, and frankly, in the FBI, we, it, whenever we arrested somebody, it was planned, and we had forty people out there, and it turned it and always that it was another circus. That's another story. But basically, David, how would have you handled that situation? I'd have hit him with the car. Yeah. Hit him, hit him with the car right there on the spot. The guy had, he'd lined him up. I thought that's what he was going to do initially. Again, you have a scenario where if you're not going to get out on foot and confront this guy and physically stop him, you've been told that he has a firearm, that he's armed, that he committed an armed robbery. Already you're at the cusp of using deadly force in a confrontation because all the all the the the, the part pieces and parts are there. All he has to do is move wrong and you're and you're lighting him up because you're gonna assume your your assumptions are he's drawing a firearm to shoot me, which is what he was doing. He was drawing a firearm. 
And it's one of those things where you say, okay, you shoot through the windshield, but you won't run him over or hit him with a car. You, you lined up on him like you were going to. Okay, if you're not going to do that, then the lead guy, if it's me, I'm going past him. I'm going far enough down the street where I can turn in, set up my car as, as, as cover, and then he's not, he's not getting out of that box. He's in the box. And if he does anything, then I've got cover. I've got my rifle out. And I, I own him. I own the street. I own him. So uh, the driving beside him with the window down was just, wow. One of those moments. But it made for a great topic for the show. <laughs> oh, you got to love it. All right, guys. Well, hey, look, it's time for, we're coming up on our on our last commercial break, I believe. But guys, stick with us. We will be right back. All right. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, though, they've taken the confusion out of learning. They've actually made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company they offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level, become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our panelist, Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and also firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. And you can also come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people simply by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. They've also got some very, very uh, cool questionnaires, as David knows, uh, to see how well you guys are versed in firearms. So go to gunlearn.com today. So, guys, hey, it's time for our newest sponsor, Blue the Gold. If you're struggling with the ins and outs of warrantless searches and seizures, what about the liability of getting it wrong? Say hello to bluetogold.com. They translate search and seizure documents into clear, straightforward concepts that any officer can relate to. Plus, they give free training thanks to bluethegold.com's free weekly webinars. This week's is Cops and Cameras. Sign up at bluethegold.com today. Join thousands of your peers in blue and step up your legal game because, frankly, you and your agency cannot afford not to. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Still live from the Boss Talk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Colin Schmidt, the floor is yours. Yeah, I just want to give actually some kudos out to David because the concept of using the car as part of your toolbox in law enforcement is completely lost. I would have never thought of that because we're not trained that. Every, every law enforcement officer, whether it be federal, state, they're given, you know, the gun, the the, the ass, the uh, pepper spray, the taser, all that stuff. But people forget everything is a tool when you're trying to uh, get the job done. You're right. Thinking outside the box, but you're right. If you've got lethal force, if you got, if you're justified in using lethal force, there's no reason why you shouldn't be justified in using your car. In fact, in, in, in a lot yeah. of cases, that's the, that's really the, the, the safest way to go. You know, you don't have bullets flying out through a windshield wondering where they're going to land. And the few times that we've seen a cop do it, it's been very effective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't argue with David's rationale there. Um, Hey, let's jump to Georgia real quick. And then, David, if you know, you let me know if there's a particular video that's left that we haven't covered, which one you want me to cover. I've got one in the queue ready to go unless you've got a request. But on LeoAffairs.com, we have Georgia deputies, that's plural, fired after they're caught in the act on a hot mic. Now. I don't care what cop you're talking to. If you've been a police officer for any amount of time, you know what a hot mic is and how embarrassing. It's happened to me, but at least I wasn't having sex. You know, I was just talking about one of my sisters, you know, derogatory 
you know, and I, and I got some flack from staff on that. Uh, but a hot mic is when your mic is, uh, you're broadcasting and, you know, the button's depressed on your microphone, you're unaware of it, and you're talking about some stuff you shouldn't be, or you're doing some stuff you shouldn't be, and the, and the sounds of that actions are going out over the air. So I, I run this by producer Jimmy so to make sure that I meet FCC guidelines, too. Oh, you're good to go. But once again, what is the general rule of thumb when it comes to a microphone? It's always on. It's always on no matter what. Nice. So... Inappropriate relationship caught on a hot mic resulted in the firing of two Richmond County Sheriff's Office deputies. So according to WRDW, Corporal Melissa Allen, so we have a female, and Sergeant um, Honore Herbert, I'm assuming a male, engaged in sexual intercourse with each other while on duty and on shift. Now, every cop hearing that on duty thing, they know automatically that normally in, in our experience, the game changer, sex on duty, dude, they'll yank your certification. You can never get a job as a police officer again. Uh, it, 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 it's that serious. You're automatically fired. I mean, it, it's bad. Sex on duty, it's just, there's nothing good about it, except for maybe what goes down in the moment. But, I mean, there's nothing nothing past that point, okay? I just want to be... I just want to be accurate of my and what I'm depicting here. Okay, so yeah, I don't want anybody coming back saying, "Well, technically, Chip, you know, you're wrong." All right, so so while in the act, one of the radios opened a channel into dispatch and recorded what is being said and done. I'm sure everybody is just like, you know, trying to trying to figure out who it is and to catch up with and find out where they're at. They get them to shut the mic off, but you know, the instant or else they're just sitting back laughing. Uh, oh, the ins- yeah, not not just open microphone like body cam over the radio. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the way this goes down. The incident happened in September. It took almost a month and a half uh, be- uh, before Internal Affairs completed this investigation, which was a lot longer than the act itself, I'm assuming, and recommended termination for the two officers. So during the investigation, both lied. That's another game changer on you losing your job. Uh, and you know They both lied multiple times about having the relationship. Both are supervisors and prohibited from having relationships with subordinates, including each other. The two were demoted, but then fired after lying to investigators about the incident. And I guess they figured, hey, at this point, sex on duty, you're done either way. So why not go out with a bang and just lie? Hope you get off on it. But it, it's believed that there were roughly 34 emergency calls made during the sexual encounter in the busy Augusta downtown area. So that means that air traffic is being taken up with the sounds of this sexual encounter while they're trying to give out. 34 emergency calls to units that can respond and do the emergency thing, you know? Um, anyhow, I see that there's no fight between Coleman and David to go first on this. And I don't know why that is. We got five minutes left and I'm, ex- you know, I'm not going to let this thing go until one of you comments on it. So Colin, yes. FBI oh, Colin. Okay. You you're, you're probably have some expertise in this area. I'd love to hear negative. about it. Negative. Well, actually, I, well, my expertise what? is I, re- I remember uh, there was a, f- a few executives in the FBI that caught, got caught doing this, but it wasn't on, uh, on a, a open mic, it, they got got caught by a, a parking lot camera. Get involved in this ah. nonsense. Of course, they're they were both uh, summarily uh, moved on from their uh, positions in the FBI. And this happened probably twenty years ago. But uh, I would be interested to see what their training records are, look like, and more importantly, what what are they hiring at that police department? I mean, what is the background? Because when you do something as stupid as this, there was most likely. Uh, red flags or trends that were already in their career that led to this. And so if they really want to do something, they need to start need, they, taking a step back and, and taking a look at what 
are they hiring? What are they, where are they finding these people that would be this stupid and this frankly selfish to be involved in this kind of behavior? Hey, Colin, can we talk about the elephant in the room, Colin? I mean, really, really. I mean, what my question, what I want to know, like every red-blooded American man is, I just want to know what the chick looks like. I mean, it could have been entrapment. This guy may not have even had a choice. It could have been like a Deborah LeFay or something, you know? So I want to see what this girl looked like and then judge on that bait, on that criteria, whether he should be held accountable for his actions. Well, go one step <laughs> further. Let's see if we can have her on the show. Because obviously she's got wow. some experience in law enforcement. Let's see if we can get her as a panelist. That would be a lot well, of fun. Well, I definitely can guarantee that if she's on the show, that I will make sure that you are on the show with her since you're requesting that. Uh, and David still has not opened up. I've been trying to draw him in with all these outlandish you know, things, and David still has not opened up that mic. And we got only got three minutes left. Wow. All right. Like, like I said, sex on duty, lying to investigators, you're done. Just just, uh, just cook it. It's all over. All right. And and and, and somebody said I, it might have been this is butter said you're not you're not missing anything. We saw her picture was on the article. It's eh, whatever. Oh, did this, okay. Well, thanks. This is butter. Okay, I won't get too excited. Hey, so David, I'm just going to go with uh, video number three uh, from Prospect Police. Unless you had another one. So uh, so at Rumble.com, our favorite channel. This is butter. Uh, body cam shows a prospect police officer. He fatally shoots a man who threw a knife and he charged the officer. We're not back, John. Mike, Mike, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. I see 25 shots fired. Party down. Uh, yeah, the knife throw made me duck, uh, you know, and I'm just watching the, the video on this. So the office of the inspector general released the identity of the man who was shot and killed by uh, prospect police officer on Friday. Two officers responded to a home just before five o'clock PM on Friday. It was a possible disturbance call officer, David attorney and officer, Jonathan Slavin. So uh, two male officers, in case you guys get the stories confused with the previous one, they spoke with a neighbor who told them that he heard suspicious noises coming from the house. So the video from the body cam uh, worn by officer attorney it was released on Tuesday, shows the events unfolding. So as Turney approaches the front of the house, he notices the front window has been dislodged. The woman inside the home says that, hey, Mike did it, referring to the window. So a man in the house identified as 48-year-old Mike Strink. He opened a kitchen drawer, grabs a knife. Officer Turney orders Strink to drop the knife, and, and the officer's in the open doorway. It's kind of partially open. Uh, but the bad guy in the kitchen throws the knife through the house well it says through the open uh, open the window towards the officer so i thought it was a doorway apparently it's a window david you were right when we talked pre-show uh strike our bad guy then runs at the officer with another knife in his hand and at that point the officer fires two shots killing strength the office of medical examiner's office said that the gunshot wound was to the head and uh was ruled a homicide which is just mean there's an unnatural death so there you have it a minute and 14 seconds left guys david yeah, short and sweet video. Uh, cop is standing in the front window of the, of the house. There's another person in the house. Uh, so he's not going to, should not, and did not allow this guy out of the box. Uh, bad guy has a knife. He throws it at the cop. The cop kind of, what is that? And, go, and, is, and comes right back into the pocket and again warns the guy, don't do it. Now, the woman in the, in the apartment, the last time I saw her on video, she was right by the window where the officer was standing. So as this guy is gets another knife and is coming toward them, the officer has not only a duty to himself, but also to that citizen to do the right thing. 
So regardless of the relationship between that woman and this guy, it, 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 at that point, that is not a concern. He did what he needed to do, did it well, stayed in the pocket and got the job done. Right-headed police work. That's what we call that. All right. There you have it from Corporal David. So so thank you. Um, and then I'm seeing uh, this is Butter's comment about, hey, we're not missing too much about the female on that other one. And uh, this is Butter's announcing a new the two officers. He's got a, a little link there um, in case anybody wants to check that out as well. So, um, hey, a, a great show, um, Colin and Dave. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Appreciate it. We are out of time. Um, but I usually take this time to go and uh, tell our users about the Wounded Blue at the woundedblue.org. It's Lieutenant Randy Sutton's 501c3, helping cops out in the world will hurt. These guys are suffering from things like PTSD, um, not necessarily being helped up by their agency, and perhaps not even offered a disability retirement out. So the Wounded Blue at the woundedblue.org. Check them out. I think they're worthy of, uh, of, of your support. Fantastic organization. A shout out to the Motion DSP, AUFire.com, GallsGunler.com, BlueTheGold.com, MyMedicare.Live, and Bang Energy. Thanks for the fuel. Also, want to mention Brian Burns, the free press at TampaFP.com. They've been carrying our content for a while. Thank you guys so much. And Ray Dietrich, that huge success story, Red Voice Media, they're just jamming. And if you guys haven't been to RedVoiceMedia.com yet, huge news source. And they're called Red for a reason. You'll figure it out when you go there. And, uh, hey, three of their Facebook pages with a million followers. Thanks, guys. Hope everybody has a wonderful, safe rest of your day. We'll see you back tomorrow at 12 noon.